This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 146 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we share tips on winter wear. Critter of the show is the Halflinger. Critter Nutrition focuses on stable vices and domestication in horses. And in coffee class, we ask, if your dog or cat or horse was a character in a classic fairy tale, who would he be? Listen in. Tigger. And I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen. Thanks for joining us for this twice a month adventure through all things healthy and critter. We have the whole gang today. We do. It's a miracle. It's been a while. Everybody's been very busy this autumn. That's to make up for all the things we didn't do any of in the past two years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you're wondering what I meant by that, because you're listening to this podcast in 2025, first of all, welcome to the past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. And second of all, just Google 2020 and it'll be all, yeah, the headlines will be there. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> this is a part of the show where we always have a, a quick little chit chat about something random. And with the holidays coming up, one of the struggles that horse people always have is figuring out how to care for our fur friends. When we have the pressure of going to visit family, oftentimes in very far away places, because if you're a horse person, not only do you have horses, but you also have other animals invariably. So I thought I'd quiz Pipe or Piper. Wrong show, Tigger and Pe- and Patty. <laughs> about you can. Call, I like that name. It's a nice name, isn't it? That's about how they deal with it, not so much from the point of view of logistics, but how you handle it emotionally, because it's stressful to let other people take care of our horses. So I'm going to start with Tigger. How do you deal with letting other people take care of your horses, your chickens, your dogs, your cats, your critters? Well, the other person is Peter, who I live with. (laughs) So it's not that big of a stress. It, Of course, it is a stress because nobody does things the way each individual does them. We've been together for 10 years. So <laughs> yeah, he knows what to do. And he knows what problem, he can let slide to. Yes. And if there's a problem, he knows to call me and call the vet. And so I, I have to say, it's not that stressful. It would be way stressful if it was somebody I didn't know well and didn't live with and didn't trust. So didn't, I'm, I'm going to set up a scenario. Uh-oh. You're away. Yes. Peter goes to the grocery store, gets a flat tire, can't get home. Car has to get towed. Somebody else is going to have to feed everybody dinner. So Peter calls somebody who lives nearby that you know well. What does Tigger do to get through the day knowing this is happening? Do you promise not to laugh? I promise. <laughs> I throw as much white light as I can over the farm. There you go. That's a good idea. Yeah. I've not heard of that solution before, that method before, but 
that makes perfect sense because you can't physically change it, right? You can't nope. just reappear and, in a different you know, spot. I, I'm imagining that I'm in Florida and this is happening. That's what I was There's thinking. That's exactly no way I can run back to Virginia. So yeah. it, it would definitely be the white light that everything will be okay. Interesting. I, so like I have a that. question. Has that ever happened that you needed to do that? Yes. Okay. Was for a, it was for a dog, and it was for a horse that was in your care and custody. We'll have to talk it, about that one later. It, it was pie. <laughs> right. Remember when he colicked? I'm driving up from Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that, I did. And it turned out fine. And he pulled out of it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I like that. Oh, I but it made me that. feel like I was doing something more positive than, you know, if I get into the worry yeah, the wor- that's the hard part is the, the worry is what you want to do, but is worrying is it's a thing that doesn't do. benefit anybody. Yeah. No. Yeah. How about but, you, Patty? Yeah. Well, first off, I'm a type A personality. Tell me not to worry and I'll slap you in the face. It's not going to happen. I, I mean, that's what, what actually drives us. I, I feel very incredibly lucky because for the most part, I mean, I go and I do clinics and I sometimes travel, but 98% of the time, I'm always there. But when something like that happens, I feel I'm very fortunate because I've surrounded myself with a bunch of people that really know our, our animals intimately. Um, but where the situation I'm in right now, so let's say kind of what you said, you know, about here, if someone's going to feed the horses, I have so many people around me that are actually clients and very good friends that would jump in very quickly if something were to happen and I, I have it we have everything completely written down on boards and on actually on paper too it's like how horses get fed or animals get fed or whatever so it's a pretty easy flip in and i always try very hard to keep things as simple as possible but yet making at least for the horses everything individual because not everybody can eat the same thing so in short i feel i've got a great backup of people that can really help me with in a situation like that where it's not really a, a big deal and I've got at least five people on a list that would help me out if something happened. Actually, that's really quite nice. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, Yeah, it's really quite nice. Yeah, it's really quite nice. How about Um, you, Jennifer? I try to take the care of my creatures and prioritize. So there are some things that must happen, non-negotiable. And keep those global things as simple and straightforward and clear as possible. And as I drill down towards the details of when you feed Nigel, put his yellow feed tub under the hay net, not under the water bucket. Okay, he can eat under his water bucket, not under his hay net. It's not the end of the world, right? That's the way I would do it. But I try to prioritize those things and decide whether or not... If I'm having somebody who is unfamiliar with all of this, if you make it too complicated, you're much more likely yeah. to have something mess up. So yeah, absolutely. uncomplicated as much as possible so that you can have those three or four things that are genuinely important yeah. clear. And then you don't have any extra muddy stuff. No extra sentences, bullet points, please. So I try to keep that because I'm a little bit OCD when it comes to taking care of the critters that it all has to happen in a certain order in a certain way. And I'm crazy about too much detail. So, but I, but I really, I really like the whole 
think the positive part because I tend to go to that negative place. That's me. Everything's going to go to hay in a handbasket. I like that. I need to practice that a little bit. More. You know, I think that's that we are all we all go to that negative place. Our brain just goes into, oh my God, this could happen, that could happen, yeah. this could happen, this could happen. It's a cascade, and it. I don't think, it, I, at least for me, it's a really bad place for me to be in. Yeah. So if I concentrate on protecting everything, then it's a better place for me, no matter what happens. Yeah, I like it. All right, cool. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> That's right. It's time to call Hedwig, the internet's only talking Bob Radian. Hello. Hello, Hello everyone. Hello. You got Hello. the whole gang today, Hetty. Yeah. I'm so grateful. I really felt a little bit underappreciated lately. <laughs> well, we're all here. Oh, good. You don't sound thrilled. So you don't sound impressed. You don't sound thankful, I, Hedwig. Do we want to go there? <laughs> <laughs> we have a question for you. What is your favorite thing about the holiday season? Watching my servant get ulcers. <laughs> you can actually see that? Yes. She's already got them, and we have not even made it to Thanksgiving. I believe this is a new record. Normally, we're a little closer to the Thanksgiving holiday before she gets the bleeding ulcers again, but not this year. <laughs> Why is she getting them so early, do you think? Or at all. Why is she getting them at all? I'm assuming it's a combination of her, you know, made-up ankle issues, which are really just a way of dodging responsibility for her many failings. Um Potentially the sort of pseudo disaster that is her quote job, which we all know she doesn't have because who would employ her and the ongoing stressors of just being a, sort of a failure in all ways, I would guess. <laughs> is there, is there any part of the holiday that you look forward to? Food. Food, of course. Duh. Yeah. Totally looking forward to all sorts of beautiful food. Do you actually get some of it? Yes. Oh. Why would she spend a whole day cooking and not give most of it to me? <laughs> Excellent point. Don't tell the Aussies. I don't even know what to tell you about how you starve those poor, underweight little animals. Uh, what, what Hedwig knows and uh, Jennifer and Patty, you don't know, is that I took buckaroo known as Mr. Schmoo in for his yearly checkup and he weighs over 80 pounds. <laughs> He's just baby boned. <laughs> well, yeah. He's just big boned. He has really big paws. He does have big paws, but he will not be getting any piece of any uh, Thanksgiving dinner. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. <Sure. laughs> I believe Nerd's rest will be leaving for Florida at some time. Yes, yeah. Nurse Ratchet will be leaving, and he'll probably weigh 90 pounds by the time I get back. I guess, hey, yeah. How's that going to be a benefit? I have a, yeah. I think we can look forward to a larger schmoom. <laughs> a schmoom plus. A schmoom XL. 
Yeah. Well, we we call him Fu Man Shmo. <laughs> yeah. He, he's going to look fantastic. I mean, he's bigger than life anyway. That's true. Well, Hedwig, we hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you yeah. during the Christmas season. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, everyone enjoy your holidays, and remember to give thanks for those you value most. And to send cheese to those you value most. <laughs> Got it. Thanks, Hetty. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> and now it's time for the breed of the show. So we are at the critter or breed of the show. And I have decided to do the Halflinger horse. Mainly because I have a, a longtime, very sweet client and good friend, and she trains halflingers. And as a dressage trainer, I always find them just interesting because they're a small horse and they're a little bit different than the typical warm blood, but they're incredibly interesting with a great story, I think. So if anybody has ever heard of the halflinger, they're a blondish looking horse. There's a question is that they're a horse or a pony. They're definitely considered a horse. They originate originated in Australia and northern Italy and they're a relatively small, compact horse and they were developed for different Maltese's. But they're best known for their hardiness, meaning that they don't eat a lot, they've got good feet. You don't have to worry about treating them like princesses or princes. They're very easy to stay out in the fields and live you know, off the land, which is a good thing. They were originally bred for use in the mountains, again, which is tributes to them being hardy, having very good feet, which is a big thing with horses. They're very desired as a great all-around horse because they are sort of a tougher horse, but they have multiple different uses for like under saddle. They can be a dressage horse, vaulting, you can use them for harness or trail or jumping, but they have just exquisite personalities and they're just adorable, but they're great for therapeutic programs as well because they're small and they're very stocky and they're sturdy, which is great. They're normally between 13, two and 15 hands. And for people that don't know a lot about horses, a hand is four inches. So you measure that in four inch increments and basically they're not very tall. The breeders don't want them any smaller than 13-2 because that becomes compromised in what the original purpose of what the breed was originally bred for. They can live up to 40 years. That's a long time. <laughs> During the war, they were close to extinction, so a lot of breeders ended up using lesser quality horses to ensure that the breed would keep going. But during like World War II, the breeders started to breed for a stockier build for a pack horse, so they were used for a pack horse during the war. After the war, they started to make an emphasis on refining them to make them more of, of a riding horse again. So they look like a Palomino, which is a lighter colored horse, but they all are considered chestnut because they don't possess this cream gene that produces Palomino. I didn't know uh, that. I didn't either. The one other interesting fact, and I'm probably not going to, I can't even begin to, I'm going to try my best, but there, if you look up Halflinger, they are often confused with, and I'm, I'm going to try to say this, they're often confused with, oh, how do you say it? Another, I can't even, I'm going to do my best to say it. Hmm. Own it. 
Ablagene. Anyway, if you look up Haplinger, they'll actually say that this is the same breed. But a lot of people that are very much into this breed say they have never heard of that before. So I'm not really sure if that's an interesting point or not an interesting point. But they are considered a small horse, not a pony. They currently, they are used for so many different types of sports. And I personally love them because they are just the most talented because of this one client I have, I've just found them to be the most versatile things and being into dressage, it's more of a balletic type of sport versus like trail riding or jumping or whatever. Anyway, I just find them to be the most adorable, most versatile, small horse. And I think they're well worth looking into if you're considering making a purchase. And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and the topic is stable vices and domestication in horses. What we horse owners refer to as stable vices, as cribbing, wind sucking, weaving, are also known as stereotypies, or frequent repetition of the same movement, gesture, posture, or sound. These repetitive behaviors have been recently described as the disease of domestication and only develop in horses kept in domestic environments. According to a 2021 article in The Horse, behaviors like cribbing and weaving are associated with structural changes in the brain itself. Horses aren't the only animals where stereotypies occur. Stereotypies are seen in primates, birds, and carnivores. Up to 54% of elephants in zoos display stereotypical behaviors, and kennel dogs display actions such as circling, pacing, whirling, jumping, wall bouncing, self-biting, compulsive staring, and constant barking. Ten years ago, my family got a special private tour at the San Diego Zoo at Christmas. We were ushered into the tiger house, or should I say tiger holding area, and for one half hour, I watched a female tiger pace the front of her cage. She was so full of anxiety that I became nauseous just feeling her angst. I can't tell you how hard it was to resist the impulse to set her free. I will never go to another zoo again. Researchers point out that these behaviors don't have a real purpose. According to Emanuela Dalla Costa, DVM PhD at the Department of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Milan, Italy, these stereotypies aren't caused by boredom and aren't habits horses pick up from other horses. Horses perform stereotypies such as cribbing and weaving when their environment is suboptimal. Stereotypies offer the horse a degree of perceived control that is predictable. The repetition produces a beneficial neural feedback loop. Understanding the brain component. Near the center of the brain is a structure known as the striatum. The upper part is the dorsal striatum and the lower part is the ventral striatum. The dorsal striatum is involved in goal achievement. The ventral striatum focuses on motivation, the concept of getting a reward. In horses that don't exhibit stable vices, the two parts of the striatum work together. The striatum is rich in the neurotransmitter dopamine, which is activated 
when one or both parts of the striatum are functioning. However, horses that develop stereotypy behaviors may get a dopamine boost to the ventral striatum, reward motivation, and reduce dopamine from the dorsal striatum, goal-oriented. The result, according to researchers, is a strong drive for meaningless activity. Causes of stereotypy formation. Stereotypy formation is most commonly found in thoroughbreds and warmbloods and is linked to management factors. Behaviorists point out that one of the early contributors is a stressful weaning experience. Other factors include lack of forage or time spent eating, not being bedded on straw, limited social contact with other horses, not enough free time and movement outside of the stable in turnout. A study published in 2009 looked at 76 French warm blood geldings, individually stalled, no turnout, ridden for one hour a day. Researchers found that the type of work a horse did was a significant factor in the development of stereotypies. Dressage horses presented the highest incidence and most serious of the stereotypies. Vaulting horses exhibited the fewest and mildest stereotypies. Out of the 76 horses, an astounding 65 showed some evidence of stereotypical behavior. The authors of the study suggested that potential interpersonal conflict between riders and the horses could explain this pattern. How to Stop Cribbing Researchers and behaviorists agree that devices and methods to reduce cribbing don't address the underlying cause of the behavior and thus compromise equine welfare. Louise Nichols of the British Horse Society puts it this way, quote, The goal is not to force them to stop, but to find ways to make them need it less, end quote. Environmental and social enrichment. As we all know, horses are social animals. In the wild or in a home herd, horses form pair bonds that can last a lifetime. Mutual grooming is an important social behavior and even lowers a horse's heart rate. According to research, Both long-term and short-term social isolation can impact horse welfare in a negative way. Horses are by nature highly motivated to seek social interaction. Housing horses in a way that allows visual contact appears to reduce the risk of stereotypical behaviors. Keeping horses in groups is especially important for juvenile horses. Juveniles will be less aggressive and have better social skills if they are kept in group turnout and housing compared to individual stalls. We can't forget that the basic motivations and behaviors of horses have remained relatively unaltered by the domestication process. Horses, whether in the wild or domesticated, need social stimuli, social interaction, and companionship. Ulcers don't cause stable vices. Interestingly, ulcers are the result of the behavior, not the cause of it. This is hugely important. Treating a cribbing horse for ulcers will help the ulcers, but not the cause of the cribbing. With this new understanding of stereotypies, we now realize that horses don't teach each other cribbing or weaving. Those behaviors are a direct response to frustration and stress. What we can do to reduce social isolation. 
Horses need to see and touch one another. We build strong stall walls to protect horses, and yet this creates social isolation, frustration, and stress for many of them. We turn horses out in individual paddocks for their protection, but unless the paddocks are side by side and in touching distance for the horses, this just adds isolation. Just like humans, horses need companionship. There's a scene in the movie Seabiscuit when the trainer Tom Smith tries to figure out how to reduce Seabiscuit's anxiety and rage. After trying to bring him a goat, he brought a calm Palomino mare who ends up being the antidote to Seabiscuit's frustration. All that horse needed was an equine friend. Horses need to eat 20 hours a day. I I believe many horse owners and trainers have made great strides in making sure our horses are eating constantly. But the horses still need time and turnout, if possible, with another horse. They need to groom another horse or be near enough to touch another horse. This physical contact is endemic to their nature and biology. We also need to think about our role as trainers in terms of the conflict we may bring to a training session. The study in France that I referenced earlier highlighted the interpersonal trainer-horse conflict and its effect on stereotypy and thus behavior. Riding in groups. Riding our horses in groups is one idea to try to help reduce isolation from confinement. I have no scientific data to confirm this, but it's an idea. Trail riding in groups and working in the ring with other horses may be a good step in reducing equine frustration. We have the responsibility to work with a horse's nature, biology, and innate needs. Reducing the horse's need to weave and crib and windsuck is an achievable goal. So here we are at Coffee Clatch. And the question is, if your dog or cat or horse was a character in a classic fairy tale, who would he or she be? Patty? Okay. Well, my number one thought about this was my... A fairy tale? Rag- <laughs> well, no, I knew it. Fairy- I had two children, but yes, a little. I was like, which one would be a fairy tale? And I was right. But I'm going to go with Fupa, my rag okay. doll. Yes. And Cinderella. Ah, because, because simply she is a princess. However, she feels as though we have treated her like a pauper, and she she just she she feels sometimes like we make her do the floors and have to talk to the mice. Oh, so you're and, the evil stepmother. <laughs> I don't think I am, but Poopy Poopy for sure thinks that anytime I make her move or don't give her her food exactly on time or if um, god forbid if a dog gets too close to the couch that she's resting on that it could be a princess but she feels as though we're making her do the floors if you know what i'm saying gotcha yeah she's that girl first world kitty problem (laughs) first world fupa kitty problems yes (laughs) <laughs> oh my God. Where does Nigel fit into this? Okay. Well, I had to think long and hard about this. And Nigel is the elephant's child. And if you're not familiar with the elephant's child, it is a, it is a story Classic. by Rudyard, Kli- Rudyard Kipling. And it's a story I grew up with, and it was always one of my favorites. So I leaned hard into Rudyard Kipling, but... The gist of the story is the baby elephant is 
insatiably curious and this insatiable curiosity in the end of the story results in the elephant having a trunk before this the elephant just had a regular nose and the story is all about the trials and tribulations of this little elephant being insatiably curious and nigel is a lot of things but i think insatiably curious does fit him he just doesn't give up when he needs to know something he needs to know that's it. Well, my youngest dog, Keen, is Peter Pan. <laughs> no question about it. Oh, the boy who didn't grow up. No, he's not growing up. He just wants to be a teenager flirting with chicks. Forever. Yeah. Yeah, forever. Oh, adorable. How about Catch, Patty? Oh. Well, tell us who Catch is first. Catch is my three-year-old Australian shepherd male who is intact, who is, it's kind of funny because when you're saying that about Keen, I was like, that's a little bit of Catch. Like, he's a little <laughs> Peter Panish. Oh, boy. I mean, the thing about him is that as he gets older, he's re- he's a little Benjamin Button, in, really, in a way. He's kind of regressing. <laughs> he's kind of like going back, which I know that isn't a fairy tale, but he's he just all of a sudden has become this, like, he's always keeps everything very under control, and he's very much um, a gentleman. He always wants to do everything right. But recently, he just thinks it's funny to be, super funny to be naughty. And then every time you go to correct him, he's like, oh, no, JK, I was just kidding. I didn't do that. And then he comes over and a, a good boy. So I oh, it's, it, well. When you were describing Keen a little bit, I was thinking that's a little bit that's a little catchy. That's a little bit catchy. <laughs> so I don't know. Can I can I say Peter Pan? Of course. Well? Okay, that's what I would say then. How about Scooter, Jennifer? Staying in the same family of stories. Okay. The cat who walked by himself. He is the cat. That is a story I'm not familiar with. It's all about how the various and sundry domesticated animals came to be domesticated with man and woman. How, For that matter, how man became domesticated. And why the cat has that special place in the human-animal bond that it does versus dogs and horses and cows and all those things. And the cat who walks by himself because he makes his own rules. Okay, I'll be domestic, but I'm doing it on my own terms. <laughs> and that's Scooter. I will be your friend on my own terms. I'll hang out with you on my own terms. Everything is in his terms. He's not real negotiable. Well, Wookie, who is another of my Australian Shepherd, is the princess and the pea. Oh, perfect. That is absolutely true. <laughs> Everything has to be like oh, that's perfect <laughs> or we get very out of sorts. <gasps> you moved the dog bed. Oh, my gosh. The world yeah, is ending. So what do you know? What do you mean you moved the bed? <laughs> How dare he you? Doesn't get fret. Yes, ex- exactly. How dare you exactly. move the bed? <laughs> yes. yes, that's so funny. Well, we would love to know what your horse or dog or cat or guinea pig or goldfish, or what fairy tale they fit into, and go to the Facebook page, Health of Critters Radio, and let us know. We want to know. Yeah, we do. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com.
Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. 